In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. O Felicem Virum, O happy man, blessed Joseph, God, who many kings desired to see and did not see, to hear and did not hear, to him it was given not only to see and to hear him, but to carry, kiss, dress, and guard him. My dear faithful, I wish you all a very blessed Feast of St. Joseph. In the letters that I have written to you over the past few days, and especially in the most recent one, I have reminded you of the importance of the practice of spiritual communion, especially in times like these, especially on a feast such as this one, when you are not able to assist at Masses here at St. Mary's Oratory. As it turns out, Divine Providence wished me to practice today what I preach. I am rather under the weather and will not be able to celebrate Holy Mass. Please do not worry. There is no reason to believe that I have anything more than just one of the viruses that has been going through the congregation for months. However, today I join with you as I am unable, like you, to be at Holy Mass and instead make a spiritual communion, placing myself, as I invite you to do, especially under the patronage of St. Joseph, for this intention. St. <coughs> Thomas Aquinas teaches us that spiritual communion is rightly to be guarded as one of the appropriate ways of receiving and benefiting from the sacrament of Holy Eucharist. There are, in fact, three ways we can communicate. One is sacramentally only. The other is spiritually only. And the third is both sacramentally and spiritually. In the strict sense, we communicate sacramentally only when, which God forbid, we receive the Holy Eucharist in the state of mortal sin. In that case, we most certainly do receive the body and blood of Christ, but we do not receive His grace, and we commit an unspeakable sacrilege. It should be added that when we receive sacramental communion in the state of grace, but without fitting preparation, without due consideration of the august act of religion which we are about to make, even if our communion cannot said to be sacrilegious, it most certainly should be called lukewarm and thus fruitless. The greatest way to receive our Lord in Holy Eucharist is both sacramentally and spiritually. That is, 
with in the state of grace, with all the fitting preparations, the fervent desire, after having made acts of faith, hope, charity, and contrition, desiring with all our heart for Jesus to enter into our souls and make his abode with us. If we have such dispositions and are at Mass and able to receive Holy Communion, or on some other occasion, such as when we are gravely ill, then it is most fitting that we should receive communion in this way. When, however, we are not able to communicate sacramentally, this spiritual communion, which should always accompany sacramental communion, is by itself very fruitful and a most magnificent act of our holy religion. St. Thomas Aquinas explains to us that the effect of this sacrament can be secured by every man if he receive it in desire, though not in reality. Consequently, just as some are baptized with the baptism of desire, through their desire of baptism, before being baptized in the baptism of water, so likewise some eat this sacrament spiritually before they receive it sacramentally. <coughs> the angelic doctor goes on to explain that spiritual communion can occur in two ways. First of all, by desiring to receive the sacrament itself. Such is the case of all who live in Christ since his institution of the sacraments. <clears throat> but there is another case. Those who longed for the coming of Christ and for the promulgation of his new law, the patriarchs and prophets of old, who, as the Apostle says, were baptized in the cloud and in the sea and did eat the spiritual food and drank the spiritual drink, these too made a true spiritual communion by longing to have the Messiah enter into their souls as their Savior. St. Joseph, like all the patriarchs and prophets, was born under the old law. Like all just men of the Hebrew race, he longed for the coming of the Messiah. Many had longed to see and hear him, but would not until he descended into hell to lead captivity captive. Today, March 19th, we are reminded especially of the day of Joseph's death, for we know that he did not live to see his foster son on Calvary, and the earliest possible day for Good Friday is tomorrow, March 20th. Imagine the scene when Joseph was taken to Abraham's bosom, to the limbo of the fathers. Imagine their wonder. The Messiah. You saw him? You heard him? Not only that, Joseph replied. I kissed him, carried him in my arms, raised him, protected him. 
Yet even Joseph, illustrious offspring of David and foster father of the Son of God, did not do something which any Catholic in the state of grace can do, receive the body and blood, soul and divinity of Christ in the most holy sacrament of the altar. The incarnate word was truly present in Joseph's life, smiling in his arms, growing up in his house, helping him in his workshop. Christ is really present in our lives under the sacramental veils, under the separate appearances of bread and wine, through the separate words of consecration. When he was with Joseph, he was born into the world, growing, laboring, but had not yet died. When he is with us in the Blessed Sacrament, he has already died and risen, and can die no more. But the way he comes to us, and appears to us, he is in the state of death on Calvary, with a separate consecration of bread and wine signify the separation of his body and blood on the cross. We receive Christ in Holy Communion as our Savior. <coughs> our Lord Jesus Christ is the Savior of all men, including his foster father Joseph. Men born after his resurrection may receive him in sacramental communion. Joseph received Christ in his soul like all the prophets and patriarchs before him, not in sacramental, but in spiritual communion. During his life on earth, our Lord exclaimed, I have a baptism wherewith I am to be baptized, and how I am straightened until it be accomplished. I am come to cast fire on the earth, and what will I but that it be kindled? Joseph's sentiments and affections were always united with that of his foster son. He longed for the work of redemption to be accomplished, so that Jesus might come and make his mansion in the souls of all men. The hearts of Jesus and Mary were united on Calvary, pierced with the soldier's lance and with the sword of love. The purest heart of Joseph was with those two hearts in Bethlehem and in Nazareth in the hidden life, loving, longing, embracing them. In this dark hour of the world, when Catholics everywhere are deprived of sacramental communion, let us call with burning love upon Joseph. Ite ad Joseph. Go to Joseph. He is our patron this day, the patron of fervent spiritual communion. Joseph waited with joy and longing for the triumph of Christ and the institution of this sacrament. And we now wait with burning hearts for the triumph of the Church and the return of our treasure, our joy, our all, the blessed sacrament of the altar. At thy feet, O my Jesus, I prostrate myself, and I offer thee repentance 
of my contrite heart, which is humbled in its nothingness and in thy holy presence. I adore thee in the sacrament of thy love, the ineffable Eucharist. I desire to receive thee into the poor dwelling that my heart offers thee. While waiting for the happiness of sacramental communion, I wish to possess thee in spirit. Come to me, O my Jesus, since I for my part am coming to thee. May thy love embrace my whole being in life and in death. I believe in thee, I hope in thee, I love thee. Amen. St. Joseph, patron of spiritual communion, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.